Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Good everyone, how are you going? Phil Tarrant here. I'm co-host of Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. And here we are. It's, uh, it's 2021. It's madness across property markets right across this great nation. And uh, we've been sort of exploring those for the last five years or so on this podcast. And I've really enjoyed it. It's been a real privilege to be able to navigate and steer decision-making for many investors right across Australia by tuning into this small piece of education, which I like to think is lacking any real bias other than hoping that you can do what you do better, and that is wealth creation journeys. I'm on that wealth creation journey. I'm trying to make a few bucks through property so I can have a a better retirement, whatever that retirement looks like for me, who knows, but it's going to give me a lot of choice into the future. So thanks for tuning in. We really enjoy it. We get a real kick out of navigating these conversations and helping to keep you informed. And this is the start of, and it's a bit of a milestone, season five, episode one. So season five being five years now, we've been recording Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. And um, my job here is to host and curate the narrative, um, trying to extract information from two people who I think are leaders and have been for many, many years across real estate and in many ways a driving force behind the emergence of buyers agents in Australia. Uh, Steve Waters and Victor Kumar from the Right Property Group. It's a good team. We have our ups and downs, more downs than ups. Um, a lot of. <laughs> I was, I was waiting for it. Yeah. You know, over the Christmas break, I thought season five. I wonder if Phil will sort of temper down a little bit with his, yeah, you know, with his sledging. And I was thinking as he was doing this intro, I was thinking, hang on, he's got a New Year's resolution, right? There's no sledging happening, yeah. and here he comes out. Well, I wasn't yeah. going to sledge. I was actually going to pay a compliment. <laughs> but if you want to go that way, that's fine. But if you're new to this podcast, welcome. And I'm sorry about Steve Waters. Um, you can send all complaints to questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Uh, we'll get to them eventually. There seems to be quite a few of them, but. Uh, the voice of reason and sensibility on this podcast is Victor Kumar, <laughs> who I've known for many years. And as a backstory, one of my first memories of Vic is, um, God, it's got to be 20, 2011. And I sort of give this context in that. It's a very sort of similar market right now. 2010, 2011, I think, meeting him out the front of Rashies on the high street of uh, Scrambletown, Campbelltown, uh, looking at properties out that way. And I didn't really know him very well then, sort of spoken to him on the phone. I remember, who is this bloke? And who would have thought 10 years on that we're sort of five years into doing a podcast together? Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. Who would have thought yeah. 10 years on that you walked out of Rashi's without the dinner plates? <laughs> <laughs> Rashi's still there. He's still there. Do you know yeah, what we should just there. invoice them now for that plug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rashi's Campbelltown on, what's the name of the street? Queen Street. Mm-hmm. It's where all good property investors start their day when they're looking for property in Campbelltown. <laughs> How is Campbelltown at the moment? You still own it half is, of it? <laughs> I wouldn't say half of it, but it, it is absolutely booming. Like everywhere else, yeah. it is booming and a lot of changes happening in terms of the gentrification of the area and, you know, various council areas pulling into the catchment area of the new Badgerys Creek Airport. Yeah. So 10 years on, that's just been a phenomenal amount of change yeah. in most areas. And I'm not I'm not really one of these sort of reflecting types of people. I don't really know how you guys are wired. I'm always sort of thinking what's next rather than what's happened, but experience is a, a great leveller and a great enabler for shaping change in decision-making. And I sort of just think about rashes just off the cuff there, but – 10 years is a long time. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think back to as a, a young investor, as in, in terms of my maturity and sophistication with investing 10 years ago, I was pretty new to it. And I remember sort of just exploring, understanding what's going on, what's all this investing stuff. Like we had smart property investment then. It was a pretty new brand. Mm-hmm. And we said, hey, we should invest in property. So as people who are curating content and informing people around it, let's do it ourselves, which is the back story to smart property investment and why we teamed up with you guys as our buyer's agents. But 
we bought really well back then. Absolutely, we did. Really well back yeah. then. And now with 10 years of scar tissue and experience as a property investor, and I look at this market and like you guys, right across it, we're probably pretty connected with what's going on. And I sit there right now and I don't really care that much. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because mm-hmm. I've got pretty good exposure to property in Australia, in Sydney in particular, Melbourne and Brizzy. So I'm not rushing out to buy stuff right now because I already got a lot. Yeah, you've got the foundational I've got, I've got the foundational place. property. So I'm not distressed. I'm not concerned at the moment that I'm missing out on potential wealth creation activities. I'm not actively buying in this market mm-hmm. like every other Tom, Dick and Harry, right? And it got me thinking about this, about the art of patience. You know, property is an interesting asset class because, you know, to what Steve has said many times, it's not a passive investment. You've got mm-hmm. to be involved. And I've had a pretty crap run the last sort of four or five years in property in that. A lot of repairs and maintenance, places untenanted, fixing things up, poor administration, issues with banks, yada, 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 right? It's not easy by any means and it's not passive. However, strategic patience as in making good decisions and then waiting and let property do what it's doing has put me in an excellent position right now to capitalize mm-hmm. on what would be boom markets, a bull run in property for the next three years. Absolutely. It's, you mentioned strategic patience because I think that's a really important point. Moreover, though, a lot of what you just experienced, say, over the last five to ten years, every investor – with a portfolio of your magnitude Mm. experiences the same thing. Mm. And it goes through seasons, whether it's repairs and maintenance, whether it's economic effects, which is out of your hands, and Mm. that's something that we've spoke about before around control, which you can. It's just that's all part of the patient scenario because nothing is ever lineal, up or down. There'll be swings and roundabouts. And now you'll start to notice that a lot of people are saying, well, this is the best gig ever. Property's the best gig ever. Because look at all this compound growth mm. from the you know, asset value that we control, but they very quickly forget about the hard yards that they've done for the prior years beforehand to get to this position. That's yeah. true. And if you reflect back to the 10 years, right? So when we started in um, the portfolio, the metrics were relatively the same in the sense that there were a lot of people jumping into the property game. There was a bit of a frenzy in the market off the GFC and people are getting the confidence back in again. And... It reminds you of what's happening right now as well. The only difference is at that time, the rates were a little bit higher, Mm. but correspondingly, the yields were higher in Sydney and across the eastern seaboard, right? So when you look at it now, it's the reverse. The yields aren't as high because we've had a huge run in price over the 10 years, but the interest rates are low. So with the differential between money coming in and money going out is relatively the same in that sense. And when you look at the portfolio from where we started, and if I look at, you brought up the Cameltown example, we are buying circa 200, 300,000, these houses. We're not talking units, right? Mm. And the same properties right now are selling for between seven to 800,000 easy. And that's a hallmark of- I wish this was being filmed because you sort of see, you should have seen Phil's eyes just flutter. L- light yeah, up like yeah. the size of rashy dinner plates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah. wealthier. So, so you, if you look at, uh, look at it from a viewpoint of, okay, yes, there were some admin work that need to happen. There's some mm-hmm. decision making. There's some heartache as well when you don't have tenants or the bank doesn't restructure the loan in time and all that sort of stuff. But that's part and parcel of investing. But you've been in it long enough now to see the fruits of a labor. Most people want to have instant gratification in property mm. and that's where they get burned because then they go out and buy the wrong types of property. Well, yeah. in today's market, there is a very real possibility that you will achieve instant mm-hmm. gratification. Yep. We've seen that with our clients uh, Absolutely. that we've done here. Yeah. And we've had some tremendous growth 
almost instantly mm. over the last 12 months, yeah. six and, months. And, 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 but we'll have a chat about that because a lot of that mm. is just catching up the growth that should Correct. have happened that hasn't happened. And, yeah. and so it gets a little bit, Yeah, I think it's an important point. But for our listeners, just this concept of strategic patience, and it says it, there's two really important words there. There's strategy and there's patience. Mm. Patience largely in property means time. Time. It means time. If you want to be a bazillionaire overnight, don't listen to this podcast. If you want to be a bazillionaire overnight through property, I'm sure there's some spruikers somewhere that will tell you how to do it. And you know what? You might do it, but mostly you're going to probably blow your dough. There's right? someone like, else. There's someone out there that'll help you. There's someone else. That, that, that's look. I'm just. A, I'm a journalist. My job is that you guys do this for a living. But there is people out there. If you want to be a bazillionaire overnight, good luck. Go for it. You know, tell me about it. I'd like to hear about it. But strategy and patience. Strategy when it comes to property investing, we've been speaking about it on this for five years now. Mm-hmm. You know, this is investing inside the right property group, and it's you know, I got pinched myself. We've been doing this for five years, right? That's a long time. Mm. It's a long time for us to be navigating this, and and let's look at those five years. We've gone through a pretty slow market. We've been through changes to lending and how investors have been shaped by APRA requirements. We've yep. gone through a number of prime ministers. Yeah. <laughs> we've probably done three prime ministers, yep. maybe two now, because we've had some stability. Actually, that's been more volatile than the property market. It's been more it? volatile than the property market. We've had- Change of leadership. Yeah, change change of leadership. Yeah. You know, we've had, you know, these election issues around scrapping of negative gearing. Like, So we've diarised over those mm. five years, these changes and evolutions. Now, we're moving into the roaring 20s, is what they're calling it, right? And what's happened for COVID-19, go back and listen to it. I think we've done, and we've been pretty fair- during COVID-19 of how we've helped shape the narrative around property investment. And I like to think that we were saying, stay the course, it's okay, strategic mm-hmm. patience. Mm-hmm. Take it easy. To Steve, to your point, you make it all the time. Property investment is a game of finance and a game of cash flow. So these are the things that support patience. So back to my point, I'm not rushing in to get into this market. However, yep. if opportunities, I've spoken to Steve about this, if opportunities arise, I'll be pragmatic mm. yeah. about it. So this chat is really just, you know, just to reaffirm to all of our listeners, don't panic. Mm. You know, don't panic. I think good or bad. Yeah, just around the strategic patience and getting started, because they're two totally different components. Mm. And Vic mentioned earlier on that this market, in its beginnings, had similar vibe to what 2010-ish when you first started, Phil. Yeah. I'd probably differ a little bit than that because when you first started, the fizz wasn't in the market. It came very quickly. Not as much. Yeah, mm-hmm. it came yeah. very quickly afterwards. But we got we, in the right time. But the right time before was- Before the fizz. But the right time was yesterday. Yeah, And exactly. it was the day before. Yeah. And it was the day before. Yeah. And this is the point that I'm trying to make. There is nothing wrong with getting started now yep. because you'll see the fruits of your labor in 10, 15, mm. 20 years time. And one thing I can guarantee you is that people in 10 or 15 years time, if they've done it correctly, are saying, I wish I had bought more in 2021. That's always been the case. Just yeah. like- Phil says, I wish I had bought more in 2010, even though you went pretty hard. And I say, I wish I had bought more in 2000. Mm -hmm. It's just, that is a continuation of the same. It'll always be that way. And I'm happy. And I guess the point I'm making, Steve, to connect in with that is that that what we did 10 years ago, you can emulate that today. Correct. Is exactly what you're saying. So you can, the reason why we've shared our portfolio growth is like 10 years on, design your Mm -hmm. decade, 10 years on, look what happens. We've got exposure to these markets and we're going to get the upside growth of the next property cycle. So if you're starting out in property, if you build that foundational portfolio right at this point in time, think about what 10 years is going to be. And that is the patience, the strategic patience around it. You too can also be, you know, a successful property investor. And we'll chat before we come on air, uh, Victor, that the SBI portfolios, me and Steve is going to do a, um, a smart property investment show around us at a point in time looking at the portfolio itself. But Call it somewhere seven and a half-ish million bucks in, mm-hmm. in value. Now, you get a 10% uplift 
That's quite a lot of money. In a year, yeah. that's $750,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much is that a week? It's about $14,000 a $14, week. $14,000 a week just in capital. Yeah. So growth. just put it in perspective, $2,000 a day. For, for just sitting around and taking action 10 years ago, now you're reaping the fruits of your labor. Yes, there had been ups and ups downs and down. in holding the portfolio, but it was within your affordability range mm. in the sense that it took time, right? It took time in terms of admin. And it took time in the market in terms of we had the right foundational properties that went through its cycle. There were periods of heavy growth, there were periods of low growth, there were periods of good rents, and there were periods of okay rents. Mm. So that's part and parcel of owning a property portfolio. Most people, when they're owning a property portfolio or even a property, they expect it to be a rosy run. That's not the case because there's so many different things that you can't control. You can't control your tenant paying all the time because they're reliant on a job to pay you, right? So if there's an upheaval there, it may be that they're one, two, three weeks behind in rent and they catch up. You can't control, the, to a degree, the um, maintenance of a property unless you've got a good maintenance plan, a good property manager that flags things ahead of time. Mm. And then yet again, you'd have a runoff, as an example in my portfolio, I had a runoff probably about seven, eight years of no properties re- requiring any major renovations, right? But then... From last year onwards, I've been smashed with repair requests and all that. But part and parcel of, uh, I guess, people working from home as well. Mm. And then a whole heap of runoff hot water systems. Mm, I had the same. Yeah. Yeah, I've got that right now. I've had year. to do three, like yeah. recently. Extremities of, of weather. Let's go put it down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Put it down to that. But the one thing that you can't control in any of this, and it does have an immediate and direct effect to value, is government policy. Yes. Right? Yes. So it's really, That's really- the sovereign risk. Well, it is. And yeah. as we've talked about before, control what you can and mm-hmm. you know, don't worry about what you can't as long as you're well mitigated mm. in and around your cash flow position and hopefully the correct areas so that they will ride those, those periods of time that are in flux. Yeah. So what do you mean by in terms of not being able to control, say, government legislation? A good example would be negative gearing. If you've built up your portfolio and the ability to hold on to your portfolio purely off your tax rebates- and that's the only way you can hold on to your property without compromising lifestyle. You've got two major issues that are always there ready to happen. One is you've got to pay tax to be able to claim that to mm-hmm. begin with. In other words, you need to have a job, right? And the second is legislative change. Like a couple of years ago in the last election, that was the platform tinkering with negative gearing. It's that's, about to happen again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, and on that, in terms of about to happen, because we've spent so much money on shoring the economy up with COVID, there is likely to be some structural changes in terms of how the government claws back the money because we need to get back into black. Into and, and everyone's just hitting rewind yeah. now on the podcast. <laughs> Do I just hear that correctly? I mean, that's a bit of a guesstimate. Yeah. We don't really know, but we would expect there to be some change. <clears throat> I think it'd be a very game government mm. to- so You start messing around with yeah. gear, particularly with everyone, well, you know, one in eight Australians- claim some sort of deduction as a property investor, right, on their tax return. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was but, quite a lot. So that was a moment in time which was a crisis, mm-hmm. as was COVID, as was APRA, yeah. as was an election. There's always, there's always a crisis. There's always a crisis. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. how big is it and how does it affect mm. you immediately? Yeah. Well, um, things in the, like the government has spent a fair bit of money. We've spent more money fighting COVID than a world war. Mm. Mm. We've spent more than pretty much any other nation as yeah. in terms of government stimulus in fighting COVID. Right. It's a big, it's a big, a pot big of money. chunk of money. Mm. But for anyone that, that sits back and thinks, well, the reason that the market is going well is because of all this stimulus and what have you. Yeah. They don't know enough about the market mm. 
to realistically give any solid commentary around it. What we have today has been helped a little bit by COVID, and that's more around the cost of money. Mm. But we were already, years prior to this, we were already heading into an undersupplied market. And we were very public about that a couple of years ago, just as we've mentioned many times, COVID has amplified Mm. the situation. It's not the cause of what we have today in terms of the market. It's just- Because the underlying problem was already there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So if, for Investing Insights Royal Property Group, if 2019 was identified with APRA intervention into lending, which stifled investment activity, if 2020 was identified by COVID-19 and the impact of COVID-19 and our discussion around it, what's 2021 going to be known for, for uh, Investing Insights Royal Property Group? I think it's going to be some of the most talked about growth mm-hmm. period yeah. of time ever. In fact, I was speaking to someone the other day and for me this has a very similar vibe to the year 2001, 2, 3, Three. Yeah. where the market was – it was just – Bonkers. Yeah, hmm. it was. Now, if that's a property term, bonkers. Yeah, that's now. It, yeah. Market is bonkers. <laughs> it, um, <laughs> the sophistication levels. It, uh, you guys use the words. It comes back to the host, yeah, you know, yeah. it brings up the sophistication <laughs> level. Yeah, proper English like. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it has the same vibe as what we're experiencing today. And that market ran for a, a little bit for all. Mm-hmm. Maybe there were some different components of the reason, such as the low doc loan, but there was still an undersupply. Yep. Overlay that with technology and the saturation of information or availability of mm-hmm. information. And today, we're in a very similar yet unique position being that if you look at the peaks and troughs of the markets, if you go back in yesteryear, way back, and those peaks in the market would last a little longer, there'd be a slow, steady time Mm -hmm. down to the bottom of the market, and then it'd be back up to the market. But there were big periods of time between peak to peak. Yep. Yep. It's like a real sign sort of curve, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas today- those peaks are way closer together. And they're more triangular. Correct. They're not curved in that yeah, sense. Yeah, and it's almost no matter what the asset class is, mm. it does the same. And there's a few reasons for that, I believe, and we've spoke about it before, is you know, people's education piece today is yeah. far stronger than what it was yesterday just because of that availability of information to make educated decisions mm-hmm. around property. There's so much of it out there. Mm. Oh, it's completely transformed. And therein lies the challenge, right? If you think about these cycles, so – Early 2000s, the way people got property invested, we've spoken about this for some time, the way that people got information during that market two cycles ago, let's call it two cycles ago, was property investment seminars, right? It's where most people all expose, right? That's where people got That's how they got into property. That's how they got it, yeah. The cycle subsequent to that, when we started investing, largely most people got their information from that sort of stuff, but then- also like magazines. You go to the mm. news agent, you buy a magazine. Mm-hmm. That's where most people got their information. And you got the growth factor from the back of the magazine where it had all the Absolutely. tables. Absolutely. Or, right. or, or a good news story. Yeah. Yeah. Or a good Jack's news story. bought in Humpty Doo. Yeah. Got to buy Humpty Doo. That's yeah. it, got to buy Humpty Doo. And now mm-hmm. in this, so most people are getting the information through this sort of medium, right? Mm-hmm. Podcast, right? It's, it's we spoke about the democratization of information properly. Yep. Like, so now there's too much information to help steer decisions. Hence the reason mm-hmm. why. We like to do investing insights so with the right property group and we get pretty good feedback on this. So what we're doing must be pretty well. We'll appreciate more feedback, how we can help shape and steer it. Questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. But we're five years in. Well, this mm-hmm. is the fifth year, start of the fifth year. What would you like more from us as a team, Victor? What do you reckon we can do in, in this podcast as we shape 2021, which is going to be the year of, Steve, to your point, of talking about the boom, mm-hmm. right? Inverted commas, the boom. Yep. I don't like the word boom. No. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's we can shape the lexicon. What do you want to call it? 
We'll call the Let's boom. give it something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, no. Let's talk about Allegedly, you crafted C change with a C. Not allegedly. A, B, C. C. C as in the COVID change. I'm going to claim FOMOP. <laughs> fear of missing out on property, FOMOP. You had something before. What Fongo. Fongo, which was? The fear of not getting out. So that was back in- 19. Uh, yeah, no, I think that no, was 18 or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to point out, because you've contributed nothing, except for maybe pigeon pairing, which well, I use all the time. You know, I don't go into this fancy Ground acronyms, truth. right? So, you know, Give us so something. Yeah. Give, Give us something. something. <laughs> Come on, you're <laughs> on the spot. What, what do you hope to achieve? What, what do you hope we can Look, achieve this year? Yeah, and that's a fair question. I want to go back to your bit about information, mm. right? That there's too much information. So if you go back to the yesteryears of when we started, so, you know, 20 years ago, the problem was reverse. Right, you had not enough information, so you said, "Where can I get some information to get started?" Mm. Right. When you fast forward it to twenty years now, the problem is reversed. Where I've got two information, I don't know what to do. Right. So what we would like to do as part of the podcast this year is to drill down the information to absolute get rid of the hype, and this is what you need to do. And these are the types of properties that you need to buy as a foundational. These are types of properties, if you've already got the foundational, these is, this is what you would want to buy in terms of adding to your portfolio. And also perhaps getting people to relook at, don't jump in feeds first. There's some things that you need to do beforehand, such as restructuring your mortgages well beforehand, making sure you've got the finance hot and ready in your hand before you even go to property. And then Looking at it from your own individual circumstances, rates are two and a half percent, circa two and a half percent right now with most banks. You want to be doing Not any your of mine. What about <laughs> yours? Yours, yours is four point nine nine. I know that. No, I have um, some of that. Yep. So you want to be doing your figures on say a four four and a half percent interest mm-hmm. rate, so that we can factor in the interest rate rises down the track, so that we don't get caught out when that happens. And We've done the initial heavy lifting and we have to then offload the properties when it's actually coming to fruition, like your portfolio mm. is coming to fruition now. You know, we're talking about you know $2,000 a day that you're making in equity as a um, figure. That's where we need to be in terms of market this year. But let's just back the truck up a little bit to something that you said around creating levels of knowledge that mm-hmm. everybody could utilize. And let's use the word strategies, which I'll sort of explain a little bit further on. But we also need to be very fair and let everybody know as forcefully as we can that everybody is quite unique. Yes. So it's not about- well, Not this a one size fit all. Correct. So it's not this type of property in this area suits and fits everybody's long-term objectives mm. or personal circumstances at this moment in time, which is why we keep talking about this designer decade. Yes. The one, three, five and 10 year marks. Mm-hmm. And we need to be true to that. But the strategy- and it's a bit of a bugbear of mine. Like there's a lot of rhetoric on social media and, and what have you around strategy, 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 strategy. Book a free call for a strategy mm-hmm. and whatever it may be. I have a problem with that because for me, there is no chance to create a strategy until we know what the finance capacities yeah. are, what the product is, what the rate is, and that's personal not a, circumstances. And that's not a 15-minute conversation, is it? No, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a big piece as opposed to we'll book your free mm-hmm. strategy call because you know nothing about me. How are you going to create a strategy? Oh, I see, because it's a one-size-fits-all strategy. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you go to a doctor and him without doing any tests, any blood tests and all that, they say, you know what, I think you've got heart problems and all that. Here's some tablets. That's what most strategy sessions become is that they presuppose the underlying issues and they give you a solution for that. 
you need to do some tests. In other words, get finance, see what your borrowing capacity, what your household budget is and how much can you really afford and what's going to happen in life in the next couple of years to then set up the portfolio and the strategies accordingly. Yeah, and I'm quite happy to sit down with people once they know what their finance capacities are Mm -hmm. to create strategies. Yeah. But if you need help with that because you don't know enough around that piece of the pie or that piece of the puzzle, Mm -hmm. then there still needs to be a conversation. People bandy this word around strategy really easily and strategy, being strategic, is a pretty sophisticated approach to stuff. You don't buy a property investment strategy off the shelf. You know, it's like a fingerprint's DNA, everyone's unique. Now, there is some things that apply to all or some principles that you can apply to forming a strategy. correct. That's cool, but you've got to be strategic and make sure you do that well. And to your point, Victor, around these three different sort of moments in time where not a lot of information or information was scarce, mm-hmm. 2000. So people didn't know what yeah, to do. 2010, there was information out there. It was in a particular way. Mm-hmm. And now there's bloody information everywhere, right? If I think of a buyer's agent, so the value or role of a buyer's agent, back when there wasn't a lot of information around, you're paying for that advice and that insight, right? Mm-hmm. Now where there's heaps of information around, you're paying for the advice and insights around how, how to, to use it, yes. how to actually navigate that. Mm-hmm. So it's just as relevant today. And and I think, you know, I was chatting to this someone the other day, a buyer's agent, I went, you know, property's going to go up in value mm. everywhere. So why do you need a buyer's agent in this market? You just buy anything and you're going you're gonna to fluke it, right? Mm. And it had a really good discussion with around. I'm quite keen on your views on it. My position on it was now is when you need a buyer's agent more than ever before because if you buy the wrong property now, you might get a little bit of a spike, but then you're going to have long-term tail of it. And I might be a little bit biased in in what I'm about to say, but I think it's because I have done the hard yards. I have made the mistakes when there was Mm. no one like us, and so it was suck it and see. Mm. I agree with the point that probably now is the most important time to have a buyer's agent because as we chatted a little earlier on around – you could almost buy an outhouse in any major area in Australia and it'll do well over the next 12 months. And that's really, really cool. But that's not what you gauge the property's worth on. It's how will it perform in a normalised market or even in a softer market because that's when the rubber hits the road. That's when the head games or the mind games start to accumulate. So I sell, is this the right asset? In terms of the buyer's agent sort of analogy though, there's a very big difference between a buyer's agent and an investment strategist. Mm. And hopefully they have a within their own ecosystem, and this is not plugging us, this is, there's a lot of good buyer's agents out there. This is just how I see it. The difference between a buyer's agent and a strategist is a buyer's agent takes a scope and it's you go to them and you say, I'd like a four bedroom house with a purple roof on the moon. And the buyer's agent go gets. Mm. That's what their job is. An investment strategist is to actually create the strategy once they know what all the pieces of the puzzle Mm -hmm. are and implement. But the strategist's job is also there at the back end of the purchase. So just like your portfolio, Phil, we Mm. sit down, I do the reviews with you because that's where the money's left on the table. That's where the important moves need to be made Mm. for longevity within the portfolio. And therein is the strategic patience. Correct. Which is completely linked to front-end strategy, saying – Buy this, this is what's going to happen initially, and then we've got to think about the long-term. What's the long-term going to look like? And that's what we're strategizing for. That's the time. Now, Victor, considering this strategic patience, a bit of an example with us and how 10 years on, we're in a really good position, making a couple of grand a day in terms mm-hmm. of paper 
capital growth money. It's not real money. It's yep. um, it's only there if I realise it. It's a wealth and position. Be, and there's going to be cost associated if you mm-hmm. want to realise that. So just putting that aside. But there's essentially two different people in this market right now. There are those who are like us who already have significant exposure to property and should be reasonable good times ahead of us. Then there's those that want to be us in 10 or 20 years' time. Mm-hmm. You guys are pretty much one cycle ahead of where I am. You know, you guys sort of got going in early 2000s. We got going sort of in 10, right? So you've had essentially two cycles. You're going to see two cycles of growth. we got one, right? So there's those people that want to emulate us in the future. So let's chat about people like us in this market right now. We've still got about 10 minutes or so. What should we be doing? What should your people with a larger portfolio with pretty good diversification across locations, state locations and sort of areas, diversification in houses and units, diversification in terms of upside potential, like some development sites and and some which are just like, what should we be doing right now? Okay. So there are a couple of approaches here, right? One is that, you know, at a very high level, you could double down and say, yeah, that's got done well. It's not costing me anything to hold at the moment. I can afford this much. Let's go out and buy some really strategic properties along the way to complement what we've already got. Mm. Yeah. The other thing would be that you need to now start re-looking very strongly at your mortgage structures and restructure everything to take advantage of the low rates to further enhance the cash flow within the portfolio. And then now's the time you start thinking of, okay, where does this end? You know, do I leave the loans alone, let it peter along and pay itself out? Or do I now put strategies in place to actually start paying this off. And there's only three ways you can pay things off, right? You either use your income to flush the loans and pay it down that way. You can use the cash flow from within the portfolio, or you can go out and create the money via property or any other vehicle for that matter. But because we're in property, we would say we can buy complementing properties with the intent to do something with them so that when it is feasible to sell and we've sat down with the accountant to map out what the tax implications and everything are, We've got a finite plan then to say, okay, but over this period, we can pay down our portfolio by putting strategies in place. And this is the 40-year plan re-engineered every year Hmm. because there are moments of a cycle where certain areas will run harder than the historical average. Hmm. And they may have even been a piece of the portfolio that was what we call a transient asset. So an area that we don't think has a a long-term or has longevity for the long-term or it might be high in maintenance repairs, but we think there's going to be above normalized growth and it'll be an asset that we purchase to sell Hmm. in consultation with the accountants accountants and what have you, but we can never measure that time period. So it's not, once again, it's not the Hmm. lineal 7% per annum or what everybody talks about. It's having the finger on the pulse of the market waiting, strategic patients, to be able to execute that part of the plan. Because at the end of the day, and this is maybe where we're a little different from others, is I'm adamant that eventually you want to retire the debt. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, no it's not a, Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. about keep debt at a constant level and just let everything amplify up in terms of its value, but also its rental income. Mm-hmm. I'm not that keen on that because that's reliant upon rental growth consistently, mortgage rates being where they are, give or take a couple of percent, mm-hmm. and no major changes in the economy. So for me, retirement of debt, unencumbered properties is the most powerful thing that you can have and it yep. also gives you options. Yeah, that's right. And options is uh, what we're all looking for. 
because then your options means you've got choice in how you want to do stuff. So yeah. that's it. That's so, at the back Phil, end. Just just something that's popping into yeah. my mind, which is you know uh, I talk to a lot of clients when you're doing reviews and getting into their consolidation phase where we're starting to put strategies in place to retire the mortgage debt. Mm. One of the things that most people don't really know, in, in, including some brokers as well, is the ability to use their facilities to help pay that down. So what I mean by that is that let's say we've earmarked a couple of properties to sell down and we don't qualify for finance or our jobs may have changed. We've gone from PAYG to self-employed as an example and all that. A strategy one can use is doing a security swap with that. So let's say you're selling a property and let's say the mortgage on that, uh, the original purchase price on that was 400000 Now it's worth, uh, get lower, Steve says. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's say the mortgage on that was at 200 like we'll get back into your portfolio. We can sell that property because now it's worth, say, five, six hundred thousand. And so we're taking a very strategic approach to say, okay, this property's done what it is done. And this was one of our transient properties. If we offload that property, there's a choice where you don't discharge the mortgage and you replace that with security. Pros and cons, you have to be within that same price range as you originally bought. The pros of it is that you don't have to then go through all the paperwork of getting getting another loan and all that sort of stuff. So that's something that when he's selling property, there are a lot of different things that you need to consider. What's going to happen to the mortgage? Mm. What's going to happen to the profits? Where does it go? What's our tax position? And is it now the right time from our income point of view to offload it? And then where's the market? And understanding also that whenever you've sold property, you've sold all of its future gains with it. Mm. Right? So it's no sense looking back. I mean, we've sold a few properties in our lifetime, Steve, and uh, every now and then, you know, just to make ourselves feel, uh, What's feel it good. What's worth today? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I never do that. No, no I can't look back because it, it just makes you cry. But Every time I want Steve to have a bad day, I just remind him of the properties we've sold. Yeah. However, what's, what's the worst performance? Like, what, what's the worst one that you've sold for the best, that's got the best gains? It must be somebody just going, oh, why did I do that? It must my, be one. Yeah, in my portfolio, I sold a duplex in Haberfield. Oh. Uh, that's in New South Wales. Yeah, that's in Haberfield's inner city. a great um, spot. Yeah. yeah. Oh. But it served its purpose. It yeah. served its purpose. And off the back you of that, I bought several well other properties. Yeah. No, but yeah. that's the point. It yeah. served its purpose yeah. because it paid down existing debt on mm. another yeah. asset to make it unencumbered. Yeah. You've got the amplified cash flow. Where did that mm. cash flow go? And that's the point of selling strategically. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of listeners out there or service providers, whether they be accountants or whatever, sophisticated investors saying never, ever, ever sell. And that's cool. That's fine. That's your strategy. That's your strategy. But for me, I don't want to be on P&I mm-hmm. for 132 years, mm-hmm. slowly eradicating yep. debt. Yep. You want to I be want an this, unencumbered position. I want a, an unencumbered position because at the end of the day, it's not about the cash flow. Inadvertently, it is. It's not about the wealth position. It's about the choice. Do you guys yeah. own many properties that are completely unencumbered? Yes. You do? Yeah. Which is a good position to be. Mm. You don't sit there going, oh, I just refinance that, get a bit and go and buy again, or you just don't need to. It depends on what you classify as unencumbered because Mm. it's unencumbered and then there's liquidity. Mm. Yeah, okay. Because I'm a fan of liquid, be liquid Mm. all the time. And so it's- In other words, offsets, for example. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. make your equity liquid. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So that, that's sort of at the, I guess, sort of our end, sort of more sophisticated investors, if we can call ourselves that. So we should benefit from what would be bull running property across our portfolios. So for those who are just going, I want to get into this, like is now the right time to invest in property? If you go back to the sort of Buffett quotes, sort of be fearful when everyone's being greedy and be greedy when everyone's being fearful, right? Mm-hmm. Like, should have you been buying 
middle of last year rather than in this market, Victor? Or it's okay to start in this market Look, or it's, it's good it's, to start in this market? It depends on your personal circumstances and what mm. your long-term goals are, right? If you're jumping in just because everyone else is jumping in, um, perhaps not the right time. And I'm not yeah. trying to talk down the market. Yeah. I want the market to go up. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. Full disclosure. Yeah, buy, buy in this <laughs> suburb. Full, yeah. full disclosure. <laughs> I want the market to go I, north. So for some people, now is not the right time to buy. If your job's not secure, if, if you're you know, absolute red line when you buy a property in terms of cash flow, mm. perhaps you need to re-engineer what you're trying to do. So this is where it comes in in terms of strategic advice as to whether you should or shouldn't. And sometimes you want to be making sure that you're not just being held back by fear of overpaying on a property. Mm. There's no sense in overpaying a property, but then you need to look at where the market is. And if you take properties in any of our portfolios, we paid what the market values were at the time for that particular property. Yes, good point. Yeah. It's what was the upside? Could I manufacture That's on top right. of organic growth? And it. yeah, whether it's a zoning play or a mm-hmm. dual income play, whatever it may well, be. Which is what we've done on some of our properties. I think and of that Cambridge Park. For example, we bought that Correct. at market value at that point in time. I think the bank didn't really think it was worth that much because I think they had to mm-hmm. sweep out the crack addicts. But, uh, no, but they, they, they didn't even want to be in there at that time. <laughs> <laughs> but we manufactured equity as part of that as well, right? Yeah. So instantly, instantly. instantly, within six months. Yeah. But I think in terms of the question, yeah, is now a good time to buy? And I think Vic answered it really well. It depends. It depends on your circumstances. If, however, you've decided, well, yes, it is a good time to buy, then my commentary around that would be, Tactically aggressive. Hmm. Now, that means well thought out with a methodical approach. And the reason I say aggressive is that if you're lingering on the sidelines, if you're umming and ahhing, trying to determine value and everything like that around a particular area, property, street, tomorrow it's going to be worth more. That's the market yeah. that we're in. Mm. And, and can I say that data's out the window now? It's all ground yeah. truth because uh, data now has got that COVID filter on it. Right. And that's something that we need to that's be mindful of. That's going to be an anomaly yeah. forever, mm. historically. It'll be in that data point and we'll be able to graph it in the years to come and say, oh, that was COVID, mm. yeah, The other thing also is that where the market is also, to your point, it's consistent with this, Victor, is that the data you're looking at is got the COVID filter and therefore it's probably not reflective of what it is right now. That's also going to mean that you're probably not going to get your bank vows as expected at market vow. Um, the market is willing time. to pay a lot more mm. than perhaps when you're doing a refinance and the bank valuing it. Yeah. Most properties are coming up at purchase value. Uh, so the banks are, are acknowledging purchase it. price. Yeah. Yeah. Now, these, these are properties that we are sourcing. Yeah. Uh, uh, if I come back to in terms of assertive action in buying property, one of the things that most people are doing wrong in this market is that taking too long to do analysis, right? Mm. You need to have done your analysis, have done your loans, uh, get finance ready well ahead of time and understand that even most agents aren't keeping up with how fast the market yeah. is shifting. And you can see that by the way that they're advertising, yes. you know, whether it's a price band mm. or offers above or offers around. Yeah. It's because the vendor and the agent don't really know what it's going to achieve yeah. because the and market is And it's the question around, wide. everyone's going, oh, they're under-quoting. Mm. They're under, they're just no, they're under-quoting. Yeah. I think most of just go, just don't know. We don't, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. And you've got to give them a little bit of sort of leeway here. Mm. It's like try keeping up with the market, even as a buyer. Mm. And what I would like to think of as professional buyers, we're having to adjust our filter and it's – the filter for today, but we've still got to make sure that it's within our parameters for the future. Yes. Yeah. Because and we don't want to be in a position where we, that as a buyer, that you're getting caught up in the hype and you're just trying to get on the coattails of a rising market to feel good about life as opposed to, well, what's going to happen in five years' time? Which is, in our mindset, five years is short term. Very short yeah. term. It's tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So those two, I guess, it's a bit base, but those two sort of 
profiles that we spoke about, i.e. people who are already property investors who have a significant portfolio thinking about what next, and then those people who are new to the market. A lot to unravel there. What's the best way? Are you guys happy to chat with people around that, Victor? What's the best way to do it? Yes, um, certainly. Just to flag, there is a bit of a time lag to sit down with either myself or Steve, okay. um, sit down on Zoom. <laughs> the um, process would be to go to our website, request a initial discussion. Okay. And in the background, what I would suggest you do is you start getting your finance ready, right? So get your loans approved as high as you can. That doesn't mean that you're going to buy at that level. But by the time you've got that and you're sitting down in front of us, we can then adjust that approval down in line with the strategy that we can map out for you mm. so that you're not then going back and trying to get the loans and everything ready. And if you don't have a good broker as such, when you're contacting us, just flag it. We'll put you in touch with some really good switched on people. Okay, that's good. Now, Steve, let's bookend this episode one of season five of the Investing Inside the Right Property Group. Your key objective for this year for this podcast, and we're going to play this back come December and see how you've gone against this. What is Key it? objective? Yeah. For me, it's... it's we, ke- we get one each. Ah, okay. You get well, one, he gets one, I get pressure. one. That's um, pressure. Keeping it real, keeping it consistent. And what I mean by that is let's not let the market cloud judgment mm. and run away between our ears. Let's look at everything in a very strategic, methodical way and act accordingly. Victor? Yeah, to echo a little bit of what Steve said, this year I want to spin away from the hype and spin towards fundamentals and keeping it consistent and real so that people don't get caught up in this mad rush to get onto the game. So it's more of a sedate, do this first, do uh, get the fundamentals right, tick all the boxes before you jump in feet first. That's good. And, and I guess that's framed around um, if you want to go and find information that tells you all the hype in the market and why you need to get involved, that's not here. Mm-hmm. That's that's not here. This that's is right. where you're going to actually get what's really happening. Yep. What's really happening and, and hope make more decisions. I guess the outcome I'd want, and probably consistent with your point around uh, the bit of a time lag getting together to have a chat with you guys, is that the objective I want is to get people, if they, if they go down a pathway of using a buyer's agent, whether it's you guys or whoever, they're actually – it's a lot more valuable for them when they do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just having a chat with a, a property strategist or a buyer's agent going, oh, what do I do? That's not going to be a very constructive conversation. I think by the time they want to go and sit with guys like you, they need to know. Like, There's no excuse not to be educated around property now. It's you all good be to be reactive advanced. to a market yeah. and to your own personal position, but there's a work up beforehand. You've got to work it up. Know your numbers. Have your own budgets. Have your own True. spreadsheets. Like, imagine if you sit down with someone, you go, well, how much sort of free cash flow do you have every month? Or oh, what's free cash flow? Mm. Like. Turn it off. Go away and get educated, mate. So mm. that would be an objective. Listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> so, so that would be an objective of mine is that it's a help with education. So you can actually – another point you made is that you can't sit around and analyze forever in this market. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get in the market, get, get, your, yourself ready. get your stuff sorted out yeah. so you can actually be decisive. Mm-hmm. So to help with uh, speedy, decisive decision-making. So I think they're really good objectives. We'll score us come December, Steve. There'll be a gold-plated Big Mac for the person that wins. <laughs> a gold-plated Big Mac. <laughs> the golden arches, huh? The golden arches. The golden arches. Do you know what, though? Go back to our- a wood, a Woodstock Avenue is where we go, isn't it? It's a Woodstock Avenue? No, Penrith. Penrith. It, oh, that's where Riff. you and I- Yeah, yeah, down. yeah. I'd encourage everybody else to go back to our end-of-year podcast forever and ever and judge us on how correct we've been. Mm. Yeah. Um, Questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Five gold stars for Phil Tarrant. Four and a half of Victor Kumar. I don't know what you think you're worth. 
It's not what I think I'm worth, Phil. It's what, it's what, it's what, it's what the listeners do. <laughs> anyway, we digress. But uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. I hope you've uh, enjoyed that chat as we embark on Season 5 of Investing Insights for Our Product Group. We'd like to have a lot of fun here. Get in touch. Let us know what's going on. Questions themselves. You want actually to answer some questions on, on air. Happy to do that. That's cool. Any comments, remarks, any ways we can prove it, anything you dislike about what we're doing, we're always uh, open for constructive criticism to help improve uh, what we're creating for you, property investors right across the nation. Uh, Victor, Steve, thanks for your time today. Really enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.